You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Brock, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's wonderful to have you on the program. Thanks so much, Brian. I'm really excited about being here and having this conversation. Likewise. Please share a little bit about your backstory. I know you're an attorney, but I understand your way of getting to that spot was quite interesting, wasn't it? It was. It had some twists and turns. Um, it wasn't what I anticipated. I mean, when I when I go back in time, I think there was never a point in my life where I thought about being an attorney, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> until I felt God say, "Okay, now I want you to go to law school," and. That was after college, and that was in the middle of graduate school. So it was quite a change of direction. And, <laughs> um, you know, like, okay, God, where's this going? I grew up in the church. I grew up thinking I'd be in ministry and knowing I would serve people, but just kind of assuming that would be in the context of ministry. And so when you cover that span of time but between me starting to you know, look at a, a grasp of what does my future look like with God to the point where I decided to go to law school. It's just filled with all these different parts of God kind of establishing my steps and what he wanted me to experience and what he wanted me to understand. And then finally revealing the secret. And by the way, you're going to go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Yeah, really. So what, what were some of the key stepping stones regarding that process and that experience? It's, that's, a, that's a good question. It's also probably a tough question because there, there are memories that I have where I really felt God speaking over my life, God kind of maybe foreshadowing um, what was going to happen in my life. But I would say, you know, the answers that come to mind are feeling really strongly that I'm going to serve people and that I'm going to serve God in in serving people. Mm-hmm. And when you grow up in ministry, and for those that that have, you know, whether you know, my uh, my dad was a pastor, my mom was a worship leader, and grandparents had a traveling quartet ministry. I had, you know, just a lot of family members in mission work and ministry and worship that that sort of thing. So I think when you grow up in that environment, and especially in the era that I did. You just expect that's that's what it means to serve God. You go into ministry, right? Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, some friends in high school. I remember one friend in particular, he would always just kind of joke like, oh, there's Brock, the man of the cloth. <laughs> and it was just kind of like, you know, you're perceived to go one direction and one direction only. I kind of fell into that, I'd say, to some extent, because I just assumed, well, that's what God's called me to. But as I got further along, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but probably in high school, I realized psychology kind of stuck out at me. And certainly by the time I started college, I thought, oh, now this makes sense. You know, helping people, understanding people's problems, being able to bring Jesus into those problems in the in the context of conversation and therapy. Mm hmm. So that's just, it was almost like a modified, oh, pastoring means therapy. Pastoring means being a psychologist. It was eye-opening, right? Because I realized, oh, you can actually be in ministry, but not in, in, you know, in, in like traditional ministry. 
So I think that was a really key point, but there were others along the way that were really, really powerful about what God wanted me to do. And, you know, some of it was, I remember being in high school and I remember this actually happened a handful of times, but I remember one time in particular, the phone rang and this was back when, you know, everybody only had house phones, right? Mm -hmm. The phone was ringing. It was like two or three in the morning. My parents had a phone in their room and there was a phone in the kitchen. I didn't have a phone in my room, but I heard the phone ringing. And so I woke up to go answer it, but my parents had already picked up upstairs. I picked up the phone and I heard somebody crying and it just caught me off guard. It was a somebody I knew, not even a friend. It was just a, an acquaintance I knew from school that was sobbing and they were basically ready to commit suicide. Wow. And they, for whatever reason, called me in the middle of the night and were crying. And I just, I talked to them about, you know, their life mattered. I talked to them about why they shouldn't consider that. And I didn't spray them with scripture and just basically like, God loves you and you have a purpose here. And they they stopped and they said they weren't going to do anything. And I said, you know, I'd find them tomorrow and we'd talk. And so we got off the phone and my dad came down, actually both my parents, and just talked to me about, hey, this happened because God is using you to speak in people's lives. And I was like, this wasn't even a friend. Like this was just somebody I, it was kind of a setup. And there were a ton of those throughout my life mm. from the time I was very young, literally elementary school. I remember God just speaking to me or, you know, showing me things. It's like when you look at all those moments and you realize God's a big part of your story, God is speaking to you and you're actually hearing him at a young age that you start to realize, like, I'm partnering with God regardless of what I do as a career. And and it's funny because I think a lot of us as adults, and especially working adults, we tend to view everything through the lens of career slash destiny. And I truly believe that partnership with God is not so much about career and that form of destiny, but about partnering with Him in life and whatever that expression looks like. Maybe it's a job, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's just a family. Maybe it's just the way that you care for people, you know, in your neighborhood. But partnering with God for me, I know this is kind of a, a little bit of a tangent, but I really feel like even God speaking in this moment, partnering with God is so much more about a life partnership than it is about a, you know, career or decision partnership. You know what I mean? I do. And there's three words I wrote down as you were speaking. And the words were back to when you're younger, we have this perceived, that's the first word, idea of where we're supposed to go based on the environment we're in. Oh, I think I'm going to yeah. go into ministry. I, My parents were in ministry, my grandparents. And then you have this right. assumption, that's the second word, that that's the direction you'll go. But then you have these setups, the third word, mm. that really point you there kind of the things you see like fireworks in the sky, like, whoa, that's <laughs> yeah. different, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, Lord, please help us see the setups more than anything. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's funny that you say that. I hadn't really thought about it, but I went through a period of time. It's, a, it's another story, but I love to write, okay? And I went through a period of time where I just really deep dived into how to write screenplays. Hmm. Um, like literally for a couple of years, I read every book I can get my hand on. I went to some classes and I started writing screenplays. I actually have like seven feature length screenplays I've, I've completed. Wow. Um, that's beside the point. But the reason why I bring it up is because one thing you learn in screenwriting is setting up the story. 
and foreshadowing and dropping in. If you ever watch a movie and you're really, you're really thinking like critically about like, why did they show that cat, you know, on just kind of running in the background? And then you find out later it's because, you know, that cat runs in the street and causes a car to swerve and, you know, all these series of events. You know, in screenwriting, they're really good screenwriting always has these setups for actions and choices that happen later in the story. Mm-hmm. And that's truly life. And that, you know, so as you're saying it, I'm thinking it's totally like screenplay, screenplay writing, right? Yeah. That is amazing. And I just feel so strongly that those that are listening to ask the Lord for yourself, what are the setups that I have had that I've forgotten about that mm-hmm. would point me today in the direction that you've been telling me to go, that I've probably ignored just because of life. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. As you were moving in this direction, the Lord brought you into a place where you knew you were supposed to become an attorney. What was that experience like? What happened where you had that moment and said, you know, I need to do this? It actually has a couple of steps before that that are critical. So I was in graduate school for clinical psychology, PhD, master's program, where my goal was to be out in fears and be a practicing psychologist. Mm -hmm. In the middle of grad school, I lost my mom in a car accident. Mm. You know, as a believer, my whole life saved. I felt like I was doing exactly what God wanted me to do. But when I lost my mom, I I just went through a period. I'm like, God, I feel like I'm on the path you've chosen for me. And I feel like I'm doing exactly what you want me to do. But I just lost my mom and I feel like if there's any sort of reset or repositioning that you have for me, I'm open. It's weird because, you know, I'd always felt open to that, but I, maybe this was one of the first times where I said, God, if you need to change the direction of my life now, change it. Like, you know, what, what do you have for me? And so I prayed and I felt like he said, okay, drop out of school, quit your job. I was counseling, you know, as a student therapist and at the time, I was going to Vineyard Anaheim Church when John Wimber was alive. There was just all this amazing craziness happening there. But I just felt like he said, and wait on me. Quit school. I quit my job. And uh, trust me, I was scared. I had school debt, massive school debt, You know, no job. Like, how do you pay your bills? I just felt like, God, I want to trust you. And through a series of, of conversations and events, he led me to apply for a position at Vineyard Music, which at the time was quickly becoming one of the fastest growing worship labels in the world. And so this would have been, you know, early nineties. I start there at the lowest position. And I mean, there's a lot of steps in between, but I was asked to take over publishing and licensing at Vineyard Music within like six months of working there, which was insane in and of itself. Like that's a God story just in and of itself. As I took that over and started training, I realized, wow, copyright and licensing is really interesting. Like I kind of took to it as a subject matter. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my job and understanding how copyrights worked and licensing worked and royalties worked. Then, you know, I'm doing that. I'm thinking, oh, now I understand what God had planned for me. Basically just positioning me here and I'd find this job. I'm, I'm in ministry, right? I'm not a pastor, worship leader or missionary, but I'm actually working for a ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I'd kind of answered like, oh, God, this is where God meant to take me with my life. And and it's funny because I will say, I think most of us are constantly living this life where we want to check a box and say, finally in my destiny, mm-hmm. right? Okay, I turned a corner or I walked in the door. Now I'm in my destiny. 
And at the moment, you know, I'm in my 20s and I have this job and I think now I'm in my destiny. Yeah. I'm working for a ministry. I love this place. I love what they're doing. And a year or two into it, I felt like God just spoke, literally said, okay, now I want you to go to law school. And I'm like, God, I can't afford it. I, I love this job. What does that mean? And I felt like he said, you're going to go at night and work full-time during the day and go to school at night. And I'm like, God, I can't, how would I even pay for that? Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't getting paid very well working for ministry, you know? And I felt like every question I, I asked, he said, I will take care of it. Mm. So I said, okay. I applied, I got in, he provided the, the funding for me to go to school. And so I did, I started at um, school at night, worked full-time until that didn't make sense anymore. But it was literally like just out of the blue, God said, now I want you to go to law school. And I said, yes, okay. Obviously, you you had your palms up, so to speak. You were aware of God wanting to say something. And then he says it. How important do you feel that is? I think it's mission critical. I, I think about how most of us approach life with God and we say, I'm praying, praying, praying. But we don't actually expect God to do anything or change anything. We just expect that it kind of changes our heart and our attitude. It just repositions the way that we think and perceive and, you know, softens our, our attitude and our heart and whatever. But I felt my whole life, no, when you pray, you expect mountains to move. That, first of all, requires an immense amount of faith, but it also requires an immense amount of endurance because we don't always get what we pray for. And sometimes we pray for the wrong things. And sometimes we pray without faith at all. And sometimes we're praying for the very opposite of what God wants and has for us. And, you know, there's all these different things. But I think the power of looking to God and saying, God, what do you have for me? And how, what kind of mountains are you going to move in order for me to step into the life that you've chosen for me? As opposed to, I just want to think positive thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want to feel better. Like if I think if we don't believe God can you know move a mountain or extend a leg or you know heal a nation or whatever, then what what are we in this for? Like the, I, and I know that may be offensive to people. I, I understand that there are a lot of people that love God and they just don't believe He does anything. He's, he's just a, a good person up in the sky and they love Him and they believe in Him. But nah, does He heal? Nah, I don't think so. Does He do this? Nah, I don't think so. I'm just not one of those people. And also because I've seen his work, I've seen it with my own eyes. So it's no, no one would be able to convince me otherwise because I've seen it. Mm -hmm. I think to your question, it's essential. It's mission critical. If you don't have that, you know, you go through life and feel like oh, God's a good person. And, but maybe he's not, maybe if I make the wrong decision, he's going to smack my hand, you know, because then it becomes about an extension of how we viewed our parents or, mm -hmm. you know, people that raised us. And, and then we get this weird, you know, parent theology that's, that's basically transposed onto God. And, you know, instead of there's this living, breathing God that says, I have a plan for your life. And if you will trust me, and if you'll step into it, I'm going to take you places you would never have dreamed of. Yes. Going back to your discussion about the mountain, what mountains will he move to get you into the place he wants you to be? I love that. Yeah. Because yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that in my own life, as you've described in your life. He yeah. will move mountains if we'll trust him to put us in the position he wants to put us in. But that does require a heart of surrender and openness. Yeah. 
what do you think keeps us from having an open and surrendered mindset and heart? I think a lot of what I've seen in myself and in people is that when we don't get what we pray for, we just start to set up a theology in our mind that God doesn't answer or that God only answers the things that would have happened. It's almost like we start to view life as like a series of coincidences that that God can like have a fingerprint on, but he didn't really change it. And I say this because, you know, I'm reminded of I was in probably junior high. And I went to this, uh, like a youth, youth camp. It was at the Anaheim Convention Center. And I remember I was sitting up there and there was a time of prayer and ministry after like a teaching. The guy uh, said, Hey, we're just going to have a time of ministry. And if you need prayer, come up. So I see this guy and he had been a part of our groups, but I didn't know him at all, but he was blind and I knew he was blind and he had his, his walking stick and everything. So he gets led up there and he's getting prayed for. And I just felt God keep saying, go pray for that guy, go pray for his sight, go pray for healing. I'm like, oh God, that's a, that's a big one. <laughs> and I just felt God keep putting him on my heart. So finally I get up the guts and I mean, keep in mind, I'm in seventh or eighth grade, you know, whatever. I'm a kid and I go up there, you know, I introduce myself. Hey, I want to pray for you. I feel like God wants to heal you. And he's like, awesome. You know, he just seemed like he had such a heart of like, I'm ready. <laughs> like, let's do this. So I started praying for him and praying for him and praying for him, you know, five minutes pass. And I could tell, you know, his body languages. All right. Thanks, buddy. But I keep praying because in my mind, I'm like, God, if you told me you're going to heal him, I'm not leaving this guy until you heal him. And I keep praying and he's not healed in 10 minutes. And, you know, maybe it was a half hour. Honestly, you know, it was a long time. But the guy finally, like, he was really kind about it. But he's like, hey, I really appreciate it. But I need to sit down or, you know, whatever. And I remember walking away from that situation saying, God, I don't understand. You told me to pray for this guy. I I felt like you said you're going to heal him. And I did. And you didn't do anything. I don't get it. And I felt like God spoke to me again and said, Brock, what I wanted you to do was be obedient. It's in my hands to heal this guy. And I just suddenly got this like, what if he's healed tomorrow? Like, Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with timing. It was about me being obedient in the moment and not seeing the fruit of my obedience, but, but God knowing that my obedience was there and it's between God and that guy when he's going to heal him. But God spoke to me to do something. And what was important was that I did it. And the reason why I use that story as an example is because that's happened to me. I don't know how many dozens and dozens of times I've been in the mall, saw somebody in a wheelchair and I felt like God said, go pray for him. And I did. And they, they rolled away in their wheelchair and they didn't get healed. And I'm like, God, why, why'd you even have me pray? And each time it's like, Brock, I want you to be obedient. I don't want you to question my plan. And just imagine the first time you embarrass yourself praying, God's going to heal you, give you sight. And God doesn't give them sight. And 99% of all people are going to say, I'm not doing that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's understandable. It's very, very hard to to lay hands on somebody and pray for them to be healed and not see them healed or know that you feel like God telling you to go this way and it doesn't work out. You know, hey, Brock, go, go to this meeting and you get in a crash on the way or whatever. We live a life that is filled with uncertainty and chaos to some extent. And so when we're praying and saying, God, please do this, and he doesn't do us do it for us, I think so many times we just say, well, then I'm not going to keep asking, or if I ask, I'm not going to believe that he's going to do anything. 
you know, to this day in my life, I want to surrender to God and say, God, if you say you're going to move a mountain, I'm going to ask and I'm going to try and even, you know, scramble up that that mustard seed faith, which, you know, I haven't seen a mountain move yet. So apparently my my uh, faith is not the size of a mustard seed yet, but I'm not going to stop praying and I'm not going to stop trying to believe that he can move a mountain until the day I'm in the grave. Yeah. For me, that's that's another like mission critical. I think people just give up because they just don't see God answering. They just don't see God doing what they expect him to do. And so it's like, well, if he didn't do it, then he's probably not going to do it. So I'm just going to have to stop. That story reminds me of a story I heard from one of our pastors years ago who, for some reason, the Lord, every time he drove by this particular 7-Eleven, he would tell him to get out and go into the store. And he did this, I think, five or six times over a period of several weeks. It was random days he felt like he was supposed to walk into the store. Mm. And one of the times he went in, there was someone there he got to minister to, and it was a life-altering experience for them. Yeah, And he was like, why, why were you having me do this? He said, I was preparing you. I was growing right. your obedience. I was strengthening your resolve to follow me, to trust yeah. me. Yeah. And there's something in that. We always think that we've figured out why God has us positioned for something or to do something. To think that we can understand the mind of God and to understand his plans for us is all is already kind of laughable, right? <laughs> I'm starting to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's like even the simple stuff. Like, why does God have you pray for somebody for healing and then he doesn't heal them, you know, at least in front of you? Well, it's not for us to figure out. Right. It's, it's for us to say yes to him and to be obedient because, and here's the reason why, and this is something I do think we can figure out. Because if we trust him enough, we'll realize it doesn't matter what we see or don't see in the moment. There's good. There's a plan. There's a destiny for you that you're walking in when you simply say yes to him period. Powerful point. Regarding this process now that you've been through in now you're an attorney, you've been an attorney now for how long, Brock? Uh, over 17 years. That's been a while. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the things that God has trained you in during that 17 years? Some things where your faith has really been stretched I would say one of them is, it actually circles back to something I just said a minute ago, is the part of knowing that God's working when you can't see it. Because in my line of work, you know, certainly professionally, I tend to take on, like, I, I guess you could say I'm sort of an empath. I take on emotions of people that I work with. I take on their pain and to some extent, you know, just getting totally personal. I don't know that I've ever said this in a, in a interview, <laughs> but I do. I take on emotions and pain of people that I work with. And, mm. it's, and it's often very hard to me still to this day, very hard to, for me when people I work with go through pain. And, and I think it's, you know, ironically sad that so many people think of, you know, lawyers as just being sharks, you know, looking for blood in the water and people that view the legal profession just view it as this cold, iced out, just people trying to hurt each other. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm living a professional existence where my everyday goal is to help as many people as possible and to bring the, the life and spirit of Jesus into every situation. When I encounter somebody who is has made some bad business decisions, 
or maybe they didn't, but they're just getting hurt and beat up in their business. Mm -hmm. My heart's bleeding for them, right? And I'll give them the best I can professionally and I'll give them the best I can spiritually. But sometimes I just have to look at that situation and say, God, I don't understand. Like I'm here. You've brought me into the situation. Can we not fix this? Can we not turn the ship around? Mm -hmm. And so part of that has been, uh, you know, for me, an extension of my faith of just trusting God, like he's working. And even though I may not see that, the you know, me stepping in and and it's not about me, but just there being like, hey, there's an opportunity to kind of correct course here Mm -hmm. with this business or with this person that I don't always see it. And that requires me to have faith that requires me to stretch my faith and say, I'm going to continue to trust him when I don't always see it. But also even the emotion, the emotional roller coaster of like, I have clients that are really, really hurting because here's the funny part. And maybe it's not so funny. You know, my background in psychology, I would honestly say that half of my work is just pure, straight up counseling, Mm. therapeutic counseling. I know it may sound odd because people call lawyers counselors a lot of time but they don't think of it as therapy counseling. They think of it counseling them in their decisions, but I'll have people come to me like, Hey, I need a contract. You know, I own this small business or whatever, but we get talking and the heart of the matter is they're scared to death or the heart of the matter is they don't have the money to pay payroll next month. And, you know, then we get into the emotions of it and we get into, Hey, my family's falling apart. And actually, you know, I'm working a hundred hours a week and my wife's about to divorce me or, you know, my husband's, you know, angry at me because I even have a business because he wanted me to stay at home with the kids. And it's like, so now I'm actually counseling people, therapeutically counseling where they, their first call was for a contract or something else. So I say all this because I think the real answer to what you're saying is I've been forced every day to stretch the way I view God, not just for myself, And that's, I do think a a little bit of a tangent, but the other part of our journey is we get so caught up in my destiny, my pathway, but there's this whole other, what am I doing to serve others? What am I doing to get in the, to the mix of other people's lives who are in pain and help them with their destiny? Wow. And, and how am I helping them move towards their destiny and how am I helping them um, figure out what God's doing in their life? Yeah. And that's the part where it's just, it really stretches you to say, man, I want to be positioned where not only am I obedient to God for my own life, but I'm actually helping people get closer to their destiny and what God is doing in their life. Mm-hmm. And that's like a whole other level and layer of what God can do in you when you're just submit, you know, submitting to him. So. I have a sense that that's our calling in general, is assisting others to fulfill their destiny. Which brings me to a kind of a wrap-up question, and then after we're done with this, I'd like to ask you to pray for our listeners, please. Absolutely. And that is regarding the whole concept of partnership with God. Would you please share your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think partnership with God it's not about a career. It's not about a school. It's not about a which church you're going to go to or what you're going to build. It's about living a life and a lifestyle where you say, God, I'm going to walk lockstep with your instructions or your leading or really both. And actually, there's a lot of teaching out there. There's a lot of theology out there. It's like partnering with God means praying in the workplace. It means 
hey, I have a secular business, but we still hold Bible studies on mm-hmm. Wednesdays, and that's partnering with God. And I'm not saying that's not partnering with God, but what I'm saying is, if it is, it's it's wholly incomplete. Partnering with God is waking up and saying, God, I'm walking with you today, whether that's in the office, in the house, at school, you know, on the freeway, wherever that is, I'm walking lockstep with you. So lead me and guide me. What words should come out of my mouth? What decisions should I make? It's uh, another just anecdote. But I remember when I was a kid, my dad challenged me on, on you know, God, you know, how does God speak to us? And does he speak on every subject? I'm like, of course he doesn't. I'm like, so you're telling me God tells you whether you should eat a burrito or a taco. I literally asked my dad that when I was probably seventh or eighth grade. And he goes, yeah, think about this, Brock. Let's just say that a burrito has more fat or it's, it's more unhealthy for you than a taco. So does God say eat the burrito, not the taco? Well, not necessarily in those words, but if he says, I want you to take care of your body and maybe this meal is better for you than that meal, he's speaking to you. I, I'm still not convinced on that theology, but <laughs> I will say that I do think God speaks and has something to say about every single decision we make in life. And so partnering with God to me really means saying, God, I submit to you today. I submit to you in the words that come out of my mouth. I submit to you in the decisions I make, no matter how small, how I interact with people, how I physically handle myself, how I emotionally handle myself. And the least of all of that, or at least just one single component is simply work. Hmm. And everything else is really what matters. You know, when I, when I see people are like partnering with God means having a prayer meeting or holding worship on, you know, Mondays in the office, I cringe, not because those things are wrong or bad, but because are you simplifying a partnership with God to just a single evangelistic, you know, meeting? Because I think partnering with God is everything. It's your life. It's your life decisions. It's everything. And if you do it, it becomes everything. God shows up constantly. He shows up everywhere because you you are, quote, partnering with him. And I will end with this. If you partnered with a physical person in marriage or in business and you, you know, imagine your spouse. I'm partnering with my spouse. I see them for an hour on Sunday where we parade around the neighborhood. And that's my partnership. Because that's going to be a witness of marriage, a good marriage to the neighbors. If I parade my my wife around the neighborhood. But we do that with God mm-hmm. and we call it a partnership. And what I'm saying is, no, 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 no. Partnership is how you live every single argument, uh, being dissatisfied with what you, you know, you guys agreed on for dinner. Like it's everything. Right. And that is partnership with God. That's rich. There is one other question that popped up I'd like to ask, and that is, what is your favorite way to connect with the Lord? So probably two ways. I love the act of singing worship. And I don't mean just like getting in the car and singing a song. I mean, like literally surrendering my heart as I sing. It may be hard for somebody that doesn't understand the distinction, but for those who have experienced that distinction, I don't like to sing. I like to worship. And when I say worship, I don't mean a style of music or a genre. I mean, I like to lay it at God's feet and just say, God, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Whatever Mm -hmm. words I can use. Mm -hmm. Um, I do that as often as I can throughout the day. And because I can't always, you know, listen to music, you know, in that sense, I try to fill every single crack and crevice with prayer. 
So if I'm literally walking from my desk to the printer to get something off the printer, I'll try and just pray real quick. I'll just try and talk to God. I try, I try to commune with God as often as I can. And I, and I've said this before and I know it can sound really self-righteous and like, Oh, come on. You know, all I'm saying is that's a life goal. And I try. And mm-hmm. of course, I don't always do that. And there are times when I'm walking around stressing about my life and stressing about circumstances or I'm just checked out mentally. But the way that I connect with God is first and foremost, worshiping at his feet. Secondly, trying to fill every single spare space with prayer. And then I think lastly, just being very assertive and defined about I'm going to talk to God in a defined way. And I'm going to say, God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to respond to where you're leading? What people should I be interacting with? And it's weird. I'll start to sit. I'll give you a final anecdote. Sometimes, and this actually happened this morning, I was writing a business email to a client responding to a legal inquiry that they had. And I just felt God speak. I felt like he gave me a vision for them. So I started the email with, hey, I felt like God showed me something. (laughs) And I wrote that. And then went in to answer their legal question. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that when I check my email and they've responded, they'll be like, wow, thank you. Or wow, that was right on. Or wow, it's not right on, but you know, (laughs) I'll hold this in trust for when it will be. Sure. But either way, to me, it's like, that's essential. That's essential to just staying connected. That's essential to is, is responding no matter where you are, no matter what the moment looks like and saying, God, I'm here. If you're typing an email and he says, Hey, I'd like you to just encourage these people. I mean, there are times where I don't know why I just feel like God says, insert into the email. I hope you're having a really great day for no reason. And I'm not the happy go lucky, like, you know, kind of guy that just smiles at everybody. And, you know, I'm a normal human being. I'm not always smiling, but if God's saying it, I want to partner with that. Yeah. And I think that puts flesh on the whole concept of partnership with God. Yeah. Let's go ahead and finish up here. I'd love to have you pray for the listeners. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Oh, God, we just, we thank you so much that you even give us the ability to partner with you, that you even give us the possibility to partner with whatever your plans are. Lord, I ask that you would unleash a blessing on all of the listeners that they've never experienced in their life. We're not asking for just a smile on their face today. We're asking for a real encounter with you today, that every single person listening would say, I don't know why, but I feel God's presence on me so strongly right now. I ask that every single listener that's facing a hurdle, whether it's in their business, their marriage, their their school, with their kids, with their parents, whatever it is, they're facing a hurdle. I ask that you would speak to that hurdle and that you would quiet that hurdle and that you would give the listener the strength to understand that they can trust you, that you will work all things out for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And each of these listeners are. They're called according to your purpose and they choose to love you. And God, I just ask that you would release favor on each of them. Release favor in the way that they encounter you. Release favor in the way that they interact with others. And that you would show them visibly and clearly what it means to partner with you. Not just in a amorphous global destiny kind of conversation, but in very specific ways and very specific conversations and specific uh, decisions they have to make, show them what it means to partner and then let them see the fruit. Bless them with being able to see the fruit of their obedience to you, God. Just ask you bless them all in your name. Amen. Brock, how can people find out more about you? I think the easiest way is brockshinen.com. 
I set it up as kind of a umbrella, you know, Hey, this is where my law practice is. This is where my consulting agency is. This is what I'm doing on social media. Cause you can always find me Brock Shinen on pretty much any social media platform, but where I put out materials to help people and, you know, the training videos and articles and stuff. I think brockshinen.com is like the easiest point to entry for anything about me. Perfect. Thanks so much for being on the program. It was wonderful. Uh, thanks so much, Brian. I appreciate it. I'm really thankful for it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.